RadioInfluence.com. Hey there. Welcome back to Live Bold and Boss Up. It's your girls, Steph and Ash. Yours truly, coming in hot another week. We chat with Jenna Palladino this week. She's lobbyist to business owner. She really dives into and figures out where she's supposed to be in life, what she's supposed to be doing. We're going to learn from that. We're also going to take away some key things that you might be missing to start your own business and more. Fantastic episode. Listen up, guys. Jenna, I'm so excited to have you here today. Good morning, ladies. So I know we had talked about that. We have so many things to talk about between you starting your own business with you being a mom and starting your own business and just in what your, your role now and what you do, because I feel like a lot of people would take a lot of great information from it. So let's just jump right in. And first of all, so before you started your own business, did you work for a big corporate company? And like, was this before kids? Just tell us a little bit about your background. Sure, I am a Tampa native. I'm fourth generation. And growing up here, um, I knew that I wanted to return here. But I was thankful that um, some local developers had made it better so that I would want to come back and potentially raise a family here. And that made it real simple when over the last decade, our city boomed mm-hmm. and there were things to do, <laughs> places to eat, places to go. That's great. So I went to Florida State. I have two degrees from there. Go Knowles. Go Knowles, yes. And I basically stayed around for a master's because we had won the national championship, as you know. Mm-hmm. So it's an easy transition to just take out more loans and stay <laughs> around. And if my mom or dad listened to this, I'm sorry, but that was my main <laughs> driver was I, I had tickets. Why would I leave? Right. And... So I, I think back to what got me to here. Um, working, uh, you know, while I was in college was invaluable, and I would say every person in college should have some kind of job, um, internship or the like, because I looked down the street at the Capitol and I kept going, what What is going on up there? Why Why do people want to be there? And I had a master's in public policy and political communication and had never stepped foot in the Capitol. No. except for maybe a field trip in fifth grade or something. And that's that's sad. Right. They so, don't like do that in no, school? No, it wasn't required at no. all. And I had work experience working for my uncle. Thank goodness he gave me a job um, doing conference planning. And it crossed over into the legislative world a little bit. And I kept going, this is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. What am I going to use this master's for? Fast forward, got introduced to a state representative here from Tampa, uh, Kevin Ambler. I'll give him the shout out because he really did push me to continue to find my niche. So as a legislative aide, you meet with every single person, some who have been in the headlines, good or bad. And you have to sit there politely and tell them, yes, we can help or no, we can't. And you really don't know until you start digging into how you, you're like an investigative reporter Mm -hmm. because you're trying to ask a state agency to help them with their business. You're trying to find out if their license got approved. Those things that no one had ever taught me. And thankfully the representative said, you can figure this out. Years later, I realized healthcare was my niche. 
I had met with countless organizations that would come to the Capitol with their nonprofit advocates, usually disease-related, and they were uh, discombobulated. They would come with papers that were crumpled. They would come with um, talking points that were all over the place. They didn't quite understand what the legislature was doing or why they were even there. And one particular organization that I'll, I'll speak to because I feel like we moved the needle on was the National MS Society, Multiple Sclerosis. I had no clue what your central nervous system was. I didn't even understand why they were there. And most of them looked great. Right. right. So they walked maybe with a little drop foot, maybe with a little twinkle in their eye that looked a little different. Maybe their voice was a little different. And they were asking for big, audacious things and lots of funding and changes to policy. And I just kept thinking as a 20-something-year-old, what's wrong with you? Why, why do you need all this? Well, then I spent the day walking around with them and realized all the things that were impacting their central nervous system. First, I had to learn what that was. And how that capital was not ADA compliant, how those building doors would swing so fast that they would knock people over because no one had ever complained. Mm-hmm. No one had ever noted that there were area rugs all through the Capitol that if you were walking with drop foot, you would have been on the floor. No one had ever thought of that. Mm-hmm. Well, my representative they worked for, he got into a near fatal car accident and was in a wheelchair. And one of my sessions, I legislative sessions, I had to help him navigate those doors, help him navigate into the committee rooms, all of that. And once that door hit him in the face and hit me, I said, enough, enough, this is craziness. So take that advocacy group of the MS Society of cancer, of heart, lung, all of them. They all come with the same needs. They all come with the same passion of my day-to-day life could be easier if. Mm -hmm. And it's usually a really small little fix. And if it's not, it takes longer, but that's okay. And most of the time they don't need money. They just need a policy change. How do they renew their driver's license? How come there's pre-existing conditions? Why don't people understand that they can't get a job because of this? And the list goes on. I worked for the MS Society first, and I, I took that job as a statewide consultant to do advocacy, create their first advocacy program statewide. So they had all these regions first day that I bring them up to the Capitol. We've got the orange shirts on, we've got, and this is way before a cricket machine or a, you know, a vinyl cutter. <laughs> like, we painted them on. I, we had a nice little binder. I knew exactly how to get it onto a one-pager because no one wants, you know, a binder of all these things. No aide has time to go through that. You have five minutes, you have an elevator pitch, that's it. We moved that needle so fast and so hard over the next couple years that I just said, I found my calling. Mm-hmm. I found what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And nonprofit healthcare was exactly where I needed to be. So MS Society led me to um, other entities, other nonprofits, and, and then some for-profits. And over time, I kept saying, I could do this on my own. I could take all of them, all those relationships, and bring them to me instead of me going out into their office and sitting in their office. Because if I sit in their office, then I can't serve the rest of them. And they've got me on lockdown. (laughs) And I can't grow how I I see it should be growing. You can have a bigger impact on your own. Much bigger impact. So 
I think when you become a parent, which happened in 2013 with my eldest son, Dylan, who's now nine, um, the whole world changes. And I know that you started with one question. I gave you like a lot of no, answers. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if you want more, <laughs> but wait, wait, there's more. <laughs> so I think that leading up to where I am now was seeing that it could be done on a contract basis. It could be done on, on my terms mm-hmm. and bring them along on the journey instead of me being confined to just one and that's where I'm at now. Right. How did you even know where to start with starting your own business? Starting my own business was, um, I take a dramatic pause because when you tell your spouse, hey, hun, I, I'm, I can do this. Um, and my first client is this one. And this is the amount of money that we're bringing in now, but oh, we're gonna scale it back to pennies. And it's gonna be a great thing, and I promise. <laughs> and we have a baby at home, and um, I, I am the breadwinner. So just trust me, like, <laughs> yeah, this right. is gonna work out. Right. And, uh, God, God bless him. Like God bless him for saying, oh, okay because the commute wasn't working, because the fact that I was on the road all the time for one client or one in-house job. And yeah, the money's great, the benefits are great, the the prestige is awesome, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't getting home till 6.30, 7 o'clock at night and I had a baby at home sitting there with a nanny. And I told you guys, you know, a little while ago, that nanny was getting called mom. Which as a mom that Ugh. I couldn't I couldn't live with myself. I was I was paying a salary so that I could sit in traffic, so that I could go to the fancy dinner and stay out at night to, to entertain No. Right. That that's not why I became a mom. Mm-hmm. I became a mom so that at five o'clock or at three o'clock or whatever time I and, and if I'm in town now, I can go to the whatever show at the whatever mm-hmm. and wave my hand and say I'm there. And if not, then you juggle and you figure it out. But I wasn't bound by corporate structure. Mm-hmm. What a great feeling. It, yeah. So nine years now and two kids. Um, I still raise my hand and sign up for every damn thing that every teacher and whatever needs help with. I and know, I see you. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I, my arm needs, to, I need to sit on my hand. I really do. I really do. But you make your path based on your passion. And my passion is access to healthcare. And my clients are in that hard to reach conversation. No one wants to talk about death and dying. No one wants to talk about Um, palliative care, which is before you're dying. No one wants to talk about home health, hospice, um, disease, diagnosis. Like they're all yucky topics that are easy to talk about. Yeah. Yucks. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you do get a phone call from someone, whether it's an elected official or it's, you know, a friend, family, and they're like, I don't know what to do. Okay. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's beautiful. Yeah. This is this is it. Right. Yeah. Well, I love that. Like, if I could go back and do it again, I love what I'm doing now. 
by the way. But <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is new. I haven't heard truth, this. Truth out. Okay. okay. I would like just having a passion for something so much and being able to make like legal changes around it. Cause there's so many like things that aren't right with, you know, things that can be done, laws and stuff and, and just supporting and um, like backing people up that really need it. Like being able to actually make an impact like that, I would love to do. Mm-hmm. You're always invited to the Capitol. Always. Which I think we need to- Field trip, trip for sure. Yes. Because so, you know, Dylan, my older son, he's asked many times to go. Really? And he's like, well, what would I do while you're in these meetings? And I don't know that I have an answer, except he could sit there and listen and watch and stuff. In the meeting and yeah. learn. And he, he asks all the time, mom, is that the same senator that did that? Mom, is that the same That's representative? Cool. That So the That's name impressive. ID is already there. Right. So even if I instill in him mm-hmm. a, a confidence that he can figure it out or that he can know, Whereas my little guy, he's not there yet, mm-hmm. but we'll get him there. Yeah. And when you host, you know, a community leader in your home and they get to realize that they're the same as mom, dad, friend, family, they, it, it takes that weirdness away. Right. And right. they feel like they can sit and have a conversation with a normal person. Right. Which I have to say, I'm definitely more star, like politically starstruck than actual star struck. <laughs> I don't know why. I think because probably because they get to change things and right. you know, make a difference. Right. Make oh, a yeah. difference. Like a real difference. Yeah. And then if you sit and talk with them one on one and you have. So this is my calling card. I'll do Uber Eats, Panera, have it delivered to the Capitol and just meet and have a salad because the whole world changes when you sit and talk for a few minutes over a meal yeah. mm-hmm. or a coffee or whatever. And they don't have time to leave. And it's just a nice feeling when someone brings you food. Mm-hmm. I have to say they pay for their own food. I have to say that. But you get to know someone as a human right. and you don't always agree with them. And sometimes you think they're downright crazy. But when they start to tell you about their soccer team that the kid plays on or, you know, gosh, this morning was really rough because, Mm -hmm. or, you know, as a female, we share a lot of similarities, Republican or Democrat. There's still an 80-20 split on men in this environment that I work in. And you probably feel it as well. Mm -hmm. And especially as a business owner. So if I can find that level playing field of mom, um, compassionate person, they love their community, all of that, it's it's easy, right. it's not hard. No, that's a great point, just in general, like anyone, just like sitting down, eating, because I feel like people, we all have to eat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then just kind of getting down at the same level and just letting them put their walls down a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's a great, great advice and great point. One great thing about COVID was that we were all on Zoom and I average 100 candidate interviews every other summer. Wow. So those are people who are running for House and, dist- House and Senate seats in Florida, D's and R's, because I work both sides. And I know them before they get elected. So their cell phone number is already in my books before that. And it's a nice conversation on a Zoom. I love in person, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But if you had to find a silver lining, to see them drive in the car with their kid is a d- 
game changer mm-hmm. because it makes you feel normal because, you know, their arm swats back of sit down, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> or gonna, we're gonna be late, I'm trying to talk to Jenna, be quiet, you know, that kind right. of stuff. So I enjoy those types of dialogues. And, you know, you make yes. a little note in your binder of, okay, Senator so-and-so goes to soccer at five o'clock, don't call then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That takes years to cultivate. Mm-hmm. No, I do think, and I want, I'll switch topic soon, um, but, but Zoom and COVID definitely like, brought up a whole different like feel to like clients and meeting people because you got to see their house and they even dressed a little bit more casually and they did they had their kids walk in or their dogs and then you could talk about that and yeah no I love that I love the kids screaming in the background. Mm-hmm. I love it because then it normalized mine. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and it wasn't so traumatic to be embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah, what what is that like before 2020 if we ever did have a call from home or a video call from home I was absolutely mortified yep. if someone rang the doorbell and the dog barked or the kids so came home and was they were loud and right I would feel completely unprofessional I would feel like less than you would apologize the heck out yes. of it yes yeah. and then that all happened and it was like totally normalized and I actually really liked it <laughs> right I really liked Same. it yeah well um, switching topics. I know you said whenever you started your own company up till now, you never did any advertising. You did all your own marketing. Like, how do you do that? Like having your own company, not doing any marketing, it must be your contacts or what did you do? How do you do it? So my clients are my family. Um, they, they know a little bit about my family as well, but not too much, you know, just enough. Mm-hmm. And then I know a little bit about theirs. And I have only worked off referrals. I, I have to say that being able to relate to what that CEO, because that's the level that I work at, is the C-suite only, mm-hmm. usually. And to understand how they drive their business and how they produce profit and what their losses are and what their motivations are and why they feel that the legislature does or doesn't support them. All of that is the mind game of how I strategize my business. I stand ahead of that CEO's next move. So all I need is a little bit of information to go on and I'll figure out the competition. I'll already know what bills are coming. Um, I can tell them the budget items that might impact them. And when you package it up and make it super easy bite size for a board and a C-suite, they have to hire you Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they want more. They absolutely want more. And usually at the beginning, I do it for free because I know they're coming. Mm -hmm. And I know then the relationship is solid. Um, So advertising, if I tried to advertise and put the word lobbyist, people would say, she's probably some evil lawyer or something and wants billable hours. Instead, I'm a retainer, or sometimes hourly, but I prefer the retainer, and it's a relationship. My CEOs call me any hour because they're par- they're they're feeling a crunch on something. Mm-hmm. Um, I only do state and federal issues. The federal system moves slower, and that's not a pick at them. That's just how it is. The state is cyclical. So every two years, there's a new leadership. Every two years, there's a change of the guard. 
So lots of times I'm holding their hand and saying, it's okay. We have eight more months of that person. Right. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, we're, we're already doing good things to run them out <laughs> right, <laughs> or to keep them, whichever it is. Mm. So it, it's all relationship. I love that. We try to run our business like that too. It's all about relationships. And I know you mentioned too, just being present on Twitter, mm-hmm. which only Twitter. You only mentioned. Twitter. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. So I find that Twitter, and I hope that the algorithm hasn't changed too much drastically lately, but I have found clients through Twitter. Lots of the intel that I'm able to do, I find myself as a super sleuth a lot. Because if you were my client and you told me that um, XYZ is moving into the area and they're gonna provide similar things and you're concerned about this niche market they're gonna provide services for, no problem, I'm on it. I, I, I diagnose their board, I figure out their campaign contributions, and I can't give you all my secrets, but there's a whole list of things in my mind that I need to know about that company in order to advise my client of whether or not to support something. And Twitter is out there. It's all that information is out there. So people don't realize that when they put a press release out, they've already given me the contact name, who the board member is, why they're doing what they're doing, um, what their next step is, where they're gonna focus. They've given it to you. It's on a silver platter. Mm -hmm. So take it, diagnose it, but keep it there. And then if you do like a relationship mapping, you know, you put your client at the nucleus and you figure out, you know, the, what is it, Kevin Bacon, six degrees. Mm -hmm. You do that for a client through Twitter. It's so fun. It's really, <laughs> really fun. Because you'll also find, well, why did that board member leave your organization and go to another? Oh, because that other one is married to so-and-so. Right. Oh, because that one's running for the local county commission and this one's moved. Mm, so it's like a real life soap opera. I live in a soap <laughs> right? opera. I do. I absolutely do. But I love it. Yeah. And they know none of that. I right. Mean, when when I come with full information and it's bite size, I've been working on it for six months to get that one nugget to get your attention. Wow. And it pays off. So do you have people that like work for you now, or do you do all this yourself? Because that's a lot. Right. It's a little bit of both. I like to keep it close because though I told you a few things that I research, there's a lot more to it. Oh, I'm sure. And um, I've subbed out work over time. A lot of um, research, like before you actually get to support a bill or try and defeat it, it's probably a year in the making of research. And I'm not a numbers person. <laughs> So I have numbers, people, yeah. <laughs> because I am the policy person. I am the strategy. I'm able to, to conceptualize it on the communication level. But when it comes to the hiring, firing, this is the budget line item, it's Greek to me. And I struggle with that. So I try and farm that out to people mm -hmm. who can explain it better. Yeah, right. that's their specialty and that's what yep. they do. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And then I conceptualize it for him. Yeah. No, that's yeah. great. It's great that you've learned all the like tricks and tools to to make it easier and better and you can run your own run your own business and have time to do all this stuff as well. And it seems so seamless. 
Uh, thank you. <laughs> you make it look <laughs> easy. Thank you. I am getting better at recognizing um, which clients are a good fit. So when you first start out, as you know, you're just throwing it out all over the place. Yeah. And you are trying so hard and you are hustling in every coffee and every lunch and every chamber event and every, every, every. None of those people need you. Right. They would have already yeah. found you. They, they don't need you. And if someone knows of you, they'll find you. Mm-hmm. But if you stay your lane and recognize that building those relationships one-on-one is where you need to be, saves you a lot of heartache and a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And since I don't spend money on advertising, I also don't want to spend money on all the coffees and lunches where someone's telling me, can I pick your brain? Right. No, you can't pick my brain. It's (laughs) it's not free. Right. Right. It's like the number one thing you don't say anymore. No, it's not. It's not free. I've worked on this. (laughs) I've worked on this information. Yeah. Right. You mentioned um, earlier like key things that people are missing when they're starting a business. Would you say like spending money on marketing would be one of them? Like, why are you spending money on marketing? Would you like count that as like a, you don't need to do that? Spending money on marketing, taking a loan. Mm -hmm. I've heard of that a lot. Why do you need an office? You're a solo shop. You have a little kitchen table and that's what I had. Kitchen table and a, a baby on my hip because, oh, after, the awesome nanny found another job. Well, what are you gonna do with your uh, almost one-year-old child? I can do this, I'm a woman, I can I can have him on my hip while I work. Bullshit, you can't. You <laughs> cannot work with a baby on your hip. Right. Yeah, in corporate so world. No. And, no, It's not, not good for you mentally. No, like you, right. need that. you need to compartmentalize yeah. what it is you're providing. Mm-hmm. So I would back to your answer or question, I would say that spending money to get started is a huge waste. You can't recover that. And then when you balance your books, you're gonna pay back to yourself when you were the investor. Like it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So start small, um, don't take any loans, recognize what you're good at, but also what you're not good at. I think that's huge because you mentioned earlier in your story how like you're like oh this is this is what i need to be doing this is this is my role and i think a lot of people miss that they miss that part they miss that what i need to be doing mm-hmm. they miss that feeling or that that knowing of okay this is what i need like a lot of people we talk to i feel like are open to so many different things which is great mm-hmm. you can do multiple things but maybe compartmentalizing, right? And trying to figure out what's that specific need. And it's no longer the education matching the skill set or even the job. Everyone thought I was going to law school, but I couldn't pass the LSAT. You would think, because right, you're Yeah, I need to know how to read the law. Yeah, I need to know, no, Mm -hmm. Uh uh-uh. I can read the statutes and explain it to you better than someone who writes a legal brief. Which I think is invaluable, by the way, because <laughs> there's so many legal terms or, and things that you read and you're like, what, what does that really mean? Right. I think that's it, invaluable. I can tell you what it means. Someone got paid a lot to put that word in there. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't me, I promise. <laughs> it just happens that way. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And I feel like, like, what advice would you give someone maybe 
going through either starting off in their career and they're trying to figure out what they need to do or someone who's starting their own business, like any advice that you would give to someone that just doesn't really know where to go or what to do or, or maybe has a passion like you did and how to get started. Give me a call. I'll, I'll walk them through it. Um, I speak a lot at the universities so tonight at University of Tampa. And a lot of the questions I get are um, more of how do I make six figures and uh, start my own business? Well, hold on, hold on. Male or female, whatever age you're at, six figures is not a threshold that starts on day one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my husband can tell you that. (laughs) And you you don't chomp on an apple, you take little bites. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why. No one's handing you a $100,000 contract and saying, you're fantastic, go do it. No, that's why you work Mm in-house to to earn that kind of money to start with. Mm -hmm. So I think people have unrealistic expectations. Yes. But you cannot, this is, I always say this, you cannot be a consultant, which is what I consider myself, if you haven't done the job. So people go out and say, I'm going to start my own business, I'm going to consult, I'm going to this and that. Oh, great. How many years did you work in-house? How many years did you learn the industry? Oh, oh, like a year or two. No, you were not there in the good times and the bad. Mm -hmm. You don't know what it's like to balance a budget in that corporation or to lay off or to change a a seismic shift. You don't know any of those things. So now you're going to consult a C-suite and tell them how they should do their job when you didn't experience it. I mean, great point. Mm -hmm. it, It just doesn't work that way. So Consulting to me back in the day was always people who were accountants that flew around the country and did books for people, you know, and balanced things and they made good money and had nice dinners. But no, consulting is I've lived it, I've experienced it, I want to educate you or I want to walk you through so you don't make those mistakes. Right, absolutely. That's what consulting should be. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. That's a great point because I feel like a lot of people that we talk to that are younger. Mm-hmm that maybe they don't want to work for a big company, so they're gonna just start their own and consult. It's like, like you said, like you haven't done the job yet. Right, what kind of advice can you give? Right, right, (laughs) right. Right. Well, I'm glad that you're talking to students and like level setting this, because I think like a lot of the C-suite and business owners that we talk to today are like perplexed on why these entry level candidates come in demanding certain salaries. It's it's really interesting. I'm sure you guys can remember, I think we're all similar age. When I started in the legislature, I made $28,000. $28,000, lived with my mom, brought my dog, brought my crap, and moved in and said, I promise this will pay off. It did, but a lot of years later, nearly 20 years later. Mm-hmm. And 28000 when you're fresh out of grad school, you have student loans, you have um, a car that, you know, I needed a fancy car because I was in my 20s, but I couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. I had a five series BMW that if the $300 oil change fall, mm-hmm. fell between my pay period, it didn't get done. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was I doing with a five series <laughs> BMW that I couldn't afford the $300 oil change? <laughs> it doesn't make any right. sense. So. If I see you driving around in the BMW and you tell me that you're gonna be a consultant, no, you're not. 
And when you tell me also that you're going to graduate college and you're going to start at 60,000, no, you're probably not. Mm -hmm. 60,000 is a lot of money. 60,000 may include all your benefits and they may not understand that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's big. That's a big part of it. And they can tell you I'm making 60. That's great. And your take home is they don't know how to calculate that. Right. What's net? What's gross? No. So we got to teach them. Like I show my kids like all the time. I'll explain like this is mommy's, you know, I'll give them $5. I'll say this is mommy's, you know, chore money to you. I'm taking this back because you used my cleaning products. Oh my <laughs> gosh, you're ruthless. <laughs> they earn it back. I love that. Or you, if you're gonna use the vacuum and you're gonna use the cleaning products and you're gonna use all those things, who's paying for that? Right. I mean, I mean it's, it's a really good, good way, way to conceptualize, conceptualize. Those other points later on in the future, right? right? That, that they're, they're gonna, gonna they're gonna understand that a little bit better. It's gonna be and more kids palatable. need chore money. Yeah. They yeah. need to understand the dollar much sooner. Yeah. I don't, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, they need to teach this in schools. Yes. Like, rather than just an example, there was something on homework the other day. I'm like, why are they learning this? They need to be learning about money Uh and stuff like that. That's actually real life stuff. And not about check writing. Right. Oh, (laughs) right. Because how many times do you I don't know anyone that writes, well, I do see people write checks, but... Even my clients are direct depositing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not, not that difficult to write a check you're writing. Right. Move on. Right. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you, you allow your kids to just, when, when they, they earn their money, money uh-huh. right, do you, do you allow, allow them to just spend it on whatever so they can realize, like, like oh, I'm going to, if I buy this and I'm not going to have anything, or do you, like, make them save for certain things? You both have two kids each. Mm-hmm. I do as well. They are vastly different kids, Mm -hmm. (laughs) vastly different. The money conversation with the eldest one is very straightforward. He's a math guru. Mm -hmm. So when you you give him that amount for that amount of work, he's probably going to ask to go to Target and get a new football or, or, you know, we buy the footballs, but you know what I mean? Like he wants a new a new flag, something. Right. Right. Okay, no problem. How much are you going to save of that? And he'll put some away. You don't have to tell him. Wow. But it may be only a dollar, and that's fine. Right. But we also have talked with them many times where we won't tell them how much we make. But mommy will explain that this percentage of daddy's paycheck and this percentage of mommy's money that she brings in is going to our travel fund. And then this percentage, or like we kind of draw a little pie, this goes to the house, and they know how much the house costs. Um, I wish I could feel more comfortable telling them how much we make or a roundabout, but I just I don't think that's important. Mm-hmm. I think what's important is that mommy and daddy save. We have a huge travel fund because we go all the time Beautiful. everywhere. And then if they want the new something something, okay, where's where is it coming from? Right. Where's the? And I I don't know. I don't know that I'm doing it right, but I feel like if they at least know that we have to figure it out, then they should have to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly, I love that. They want one of those kid debit cards. Oh yeah, no. and I think, I think it's that's gonna like be a whole other subject for me. Yeah, I think that's a terrible idea oh, at this age because yeah. the older one would probably just think about it all the time. The younger one would go broke in a day. Right, right. So right. I we're not there I feel yet. like until they have the concept of actual money in 
like what it's worth. Like they, they have to see it, yeah, hold it, see it. Right. right. Otherwise, it's just a card. Like it's not actual money. But they also right. don't understand that mommy has a full time job when mommy picks up in Carline. They right. also don't understand why I'm gone for a few days in Tallahassee, and then I get to come home and for a few hours spend just them. Mm-hmm. They don't get that. Right. Yeah. But I also don't need them to. I just need them to recognize, because I used to be concerned about the image I was showing to my kids. Well, those few hours in the morning are to decompress from what I did mm-hmm. on the road for the last few hours. Mm-hmm. And days, they don't need to understand that. They just need to know I'm there. Yeah. They'll, they'll get, get it eventually when they get older. Oh yeah, and they'll be that right. kid expecting a consulting job, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> mommy did it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Oh my gosh, Jenna, this has been so fun, so great. We talked about a lot of different things today, which I love, so many valuable points that you made. Um, So I hope our listeners are able to get a lot out of this, which I know they will. Sure, and if they work in healthcare, come my way, because some of my clients start small with not understanding how the legislative session works or what impact it has on their, their space. And it's usually just a really great conversation that leads into hey, we could really change this policy. This would be better. And it doesn't have to just be nonprofits. It can Correct. be for-profits as Correct. well. Correct. So I have for-profit, nonprofit, um, but I stay my lane of health care. Okay. Roads don't get me up in the morning. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, this has been great because I feel like you've really, like for me at least, broken down the, um, the political lobbyist piece and made it a little bit more um, friendly. Good, good. You know, good. and digestible and really realizing like, yeah. oh, it's just relationships. That's what I do. Okay. Mm-hmm. That should be a little easier. We need to go. Yeah, more relatable. We need to come with you. Field yeah. trip. That'd be For great. Sure. Well, we'll include your email or contact information on our show notes. So that way people know how to get in touch with you. That would be great. I'm based in Tampa, but I'm on a plane or a train or bike, whatever, all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Wherever you need me to be. (laughs) And um, as always, like, subscribe, rate us. We love to get your feedback and any questions that you have for Jenna, you can always email us as well. But until next time, live bold and boss up. 